Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 608 with a review of Just Mercy. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we are sort of maybe a little bit breaking uh, the format. It's been two weeks since George Floyd was killed by the Minneapolis police. Um, and in the two weeks since, there have been protests around the country, I think now in every single state. Yeah. Um, and there have been videos coming out about police brutality at all these protests, and it's bringing it to the forefront. And it's a thing that I think no person in the United States right now can sort of go about their daily lives without paying attention to it and seeing it this past week. Warner Brothers came out and they announced that they're going to release this film that we're reviewing, Just Mercy, for free um, to everybody. And a bunch of other studios, including Paramount and other people, have come on board too since. And now, uh, if you go to iTunes right now, there is a section in iTunes called Black in America. And it's uh, featuring 18 films that uh, deal with racial injustice. And uh, we have chosen this week, in addition to another review that we'll do, um, that'll get released later. Um, we are going to be talking about Just Mercy, um, which, as we said, is now available for free. And we do have a, a, a little bit of history, if not with this movie. Uh, Destin Daniel Cretton came on the scene with Short Term 12 many years ago, which I think Christopher and I both loved. I, I routinely reference it as a movie that kind of brought me into, I would say, like the empathetic new wave of cinema, like movies that are really just meant to tell a story and kind of elicit empathy for the main characters. So I was yeah. pretty excited about this movie going into TIFF. Um, it was one of the films that I think it premiered before we got there or somehow the timing didn't work out. Yeah. And then somehow in the end of the year shuffle, I, I think maybe they launched this movie in early January or something. It kind of came and went a little bit too quickly. So yeah, yeah. I was particularly happy for a, a chance to revisit it this weekend. Yeah. So we're going to bring you this review um, now. <laughs> Um, so we are going to go ahead and start by just taking a listen to the trailer for Just Mercy, and then we are going to come back and give you guys a review. Tell me everything that happened. The first time I visited Death Row, I wasn't expecting to meet somebody the same age as me. From a neighborhood just like ours. Could have been me, mama. But what you're doing is going to make a lot of people upset. You always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most. Your life is still meaningful, and I'm going to do everything possible to keep them from taking it. You don't know what you're into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born. God. Mr. McMillan. We're done here. Mr. McMillan, please. I was just about to give up when I got a call from a Harvard lawyer looking to start a legal center for inmates on death row. I was in before he even offered me the job. You the lawyer? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for driving all the way out here. Most lawyers barely make time to call. I can't believe you talked to all my people and said you want to fight for me. I did. That mean a lot. If you go digging in those wounds, you're going to be making a lot of people very unhappy. When people care about a thing that much, they'll do anything to get what they want. When I first learned about all this, it was like looking at a river full of drowning people and not having any way of helping them. You ain't quitting, is you? No, sir. 
Each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. I know what it's like to be in the shadows. It's my dad. He did nothing wrong. It's never too late for justice. You're the only one kid enough to fight for me. If we can look at ourselves closely, we can change this world for the better. We all need grace. We all need mercy. Amen. I got my truth back. You gave that to me. And ain't nobody gonna take that from us. All right, so that was the trailer for Just Mercy. Um, it follows a character or a person. It's a real-life story. It follows a person named Brian Stevens, who is a civil rights defense attorney. And basically, he moves to Alabama and starts taking on um, these uh, death row cases where you know he has a grant from the government to go in and do this pro bono work. And he comes across a man named Walter McMillan, who is on death row, and his particular case... Um, is uh just say that the prosecutors like had had nothing <laughs> and convicted and sentenced uh this man to death and it's the story of him trying to fight um to uh you know at the very least try to get the case uh to be relitigated so that he can try to get this man off um because he was wrongly convicted uh Stephen miller what did you think of just mercy uh, one of my main thoughts in this movie that I wrote down is, should we just not have an Alabama anymore? <laughs> I, I think probably a good argument could be made um, <laughs> yeah. that we shouldn't. But in 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 all seriousness, um, this film, in many ways, it actually reminded me of Dark Waters, at least at first. Um, that was the procedural uh, starring Mark Ruffalo that we reviewed uh, late last year in that there are flourishes here, but the story is really the point. Like it, it isn't trying to hide what it is about. Um, and the point is to tell the story of Johnny D. McMillan, highlight how terribly easy it can be to abuse the criminal justice system and how deeply unfair it is, especially to the black community. Um, this is the sort of movie that for better or worse is kind of impossible to take in without knowing that it's based on a true story. Like I think there are things in this movie that if it were not true, I would feel uncomfortable with. Like there are certain aspects of this narrative that feel very much like the, there's the one good man. Racism is a thing that the good man can fix by changing people's hearts. Um, there's a DA character in this film that in particular, some actions that happened towards the end kind of started to play into that in a way that if I were basing this as a critique of a, a story that was written from scratch that was meant to depict the problems with our justice system, I would have a few mild criticisms. But there's a scene in the middle of this movie, which is not about Michael B. Jordan or Jamie Foxx's character. It's about a character played by Rob Morgan um, named Herbert Richardson. And it kind of is perfect for me. It really just sets the tone of a film that is trying to do what Destin Daniel Cretton does best, which is empathize with people in a not clever or coy or particularly cool way, just like 
get that human empathy, right? Elicit the soulful feeling. It it reminded me of the the rap that Lakeep Stanton does in Short Term 12, where it's just silence, watching this heartbreaking thing happen, and just letting it be the heart-tugging moment that it's meant to be. Um, it reminded me a lot of a show that I really love called Rectify, uh, which I've probably, like, proclaimed on this podcast before <laughs> you've definitely talked about it yeah that, that's a show about a man who spends 20 years on death row before he's acquitted based on dna evidence and it's kind of about him reacclimating to society with little flashbacks of what it was like when he was stuck there and my favorite parts of rectify are looking back to how he interacted with his cellmates right these people who knew that they are destined to die they have lost all hope that anything will get better and we have that here in the characters of Johnny D. McMillan, played by Jamie Foxx, uh, Herbert Richardson, played by Rob Morgan, and Anthony Ray Hinton, played by O'Shea Jackson Jr., or Ice Cube's son. Um, and the, not that much screen time is devoted to their interactions, but they really, really made the movie a lot more special for me. There's just something about trying to get in the mindset of what it would be like to have your fate be completely decided already. And the show kind of runs the the gamut. Um, I'm reminded a little bit of Lion, again, where it seems like they are telling a true story, but shading it with other true stories that there may be... I don't know if the timelines are as clean as they make them out to be in the movie, but they're trying to show you the gradient of what could happen, right? There is the man who is innocent. I think... It won't be a spoiler to say that Johnny D. McMillan is innocent. If it is, I'm sorry. That's kind of the, the premise of the movie so as the, you kind of accept that very early on. Yeah, the, the, the description uh, on IMDb refers to it as working to free a wrongfully convicted death row prisoner. Um, so yeah. we're, we're at the baseline of, of, hey, we're okay to talk about that. Yep. So we have him on one end. Uh, we have O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character who... I don't think we are ever made to really know, but we suspect innocence in the in that case as well. And then we have Rob Morgan's character who did the thing that he is being put on death row for. There, there's no question of that. And it asks us to look at each of them and think, do these men deserve to die, right? Is there a way for a person to be guilty and still be mistreated by the justice system? And I thought that was a really interesting angle that it throws into it that there can be there can be injustice even when the person is quote guilty right there are still there are different types of mercy and different forms of grace that we're more likely in society to show one person than another and that that can be wrong no matter what so i, I thought that was an interesting wrinkle that it threw in that this is not just a man who is trying to get people out of prison who have done no wrong. It's a man who is trying to make sure the system is fair regardless of what they've done. Um, yeah. yeah. So there were still times that I felt like it got a little too close to the one good man in particular when it became anytime Brie Larson is on screen for too long, this movie started to feel a bit more sentimental than I would be happy with. And I tried to keep reminding myself, this is based on a real person. You know, this woman existed. This is Brian Stevens um, autobiographical account of what happened. So he's yeah. elevating the people he wants to elevate. But 
there's just something about the the brave the brave white lady in the south who just is willing to risk anything because it's just not fair like some bits of that i got little flashbacks of remember the titans or something in a manner that i was not that thrilled with but those were yeah. few and far between like the bulk I, of this yeah, movie I, I, is i was a, i was pleasantly surprised how inconsequential she is to yeah. this story um it never hinges on her she's more of a catalyst for targeting this location in alabama versus being the the one who can rally support from anyone like she's always sitting in the back of the courtroom watching and just giving reaction faces um so yeah. it, it it doesn't hinge on her participation um which was a, a thankful <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a, a pleasant surprise because about 15 or 20 minutes in, I was getting a little worried that she was going to be centered. I mean, it, uh, partly that's just because it's Brie Larson. She's been the unambiguous star of the last two movies that Cretton has done. So I was just kind of bracing myself for that. But I yeah. do think her role is similar to what I like about how he made this movie, where it is not centering her. It's trying to just elevate these stories. And I think... Jamie Foxx is fantastic in this movie. Um, he becomes the story. I kind of feel like, you know, I love Michael B. Jordan. He he is great in this role, but the role doesn't ask him to do very much beyond being the man with conviction, you know, the man who wants to do the right thing. And yeah. I think Jamie Foxx is really the one that gets to carry our emotions through this movie. And when it starts to fixate on that and just the experience and the courtroom stuff almost becomes not an afterthought, but it's more about the emotional journey of this character feeling his hope be brought back for maybe the first time. And then moments when potentially that hope is negated again and how crushing that would feel. I thought all of that was really, really beautifully done. Um, so in the end, I think it does play with a lot of, inspirational film beats but the truth of the story and the acting behind it really carried it for me and made it really powerful actually powerful kind of in spite of the way i was coming at it at the beginning where there were all the things i was afraid it was going to do um at a certain point that scene in the middle of the movie i really just kind of let go and let the movie be what it wanted to be and i i liked it quite a bit yeah i i think that what the most interesting part about this film is how not flashy and not um, over the top it is. It, it, it would be really easy to want to tell this a story like this and and try to have really, really big moments with like huge speeches. But instead, this film plays it more subtle and really just lets the ridiculousness of the charges that are, are uh, put against Macmillan... Um, and and let's that be the shocking thing like like obviously there's moments of you know family members responding to things or conversations where you can feel the hurt and the anguish that somebody feels but i think that that this this film really lets you slowly work through it and it spends no time showing you how ridiculous the charges were in the first place and then it, it, it's almost to the level where when michael b jordan comes in he looks at the case and he's like this is going to be easy. Like, like, yeah. like any, any lawyer or any DA should be able to just look at this single piece of paper and just throw this case out and call it a day. And my job's done. And what he's met with is, is a just 
ridiculous combination of people who don't even at this time like so so this film takes place long after the initial conviction and that trial like the da now was not the da when this court this case was originally uh taking place so he has no skin in the game he just doesn't want to take the time to look at it and overturn some old thing because right. he well, he's, he's the system right there's that yeah, heavy yeah. bias of this is going to be unpleasant so i'm not going to do it yeah yeah and and this film really shows that 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 is really like the key to what this film is doing is showing you just this process of of how 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 loose how loosely the system convicted this man and how hard it was to just pull back and go like hey you you can see how ridiculous these charges are just freaking overturn this case and let us get a retrial because obviously any jury is going to find him innocent if we can just do the trial again um and i really found that like not a breath of fresh air but i think i think it's just it's an interesting way to approach this story because it doesn't it doesn't over dramatize the seriousness of the case it it's almost trying to downplay like like just how simple it is that the situation that he was in and 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 make you get you know upset about what was going on i mean you know Everyone in the United States watched Making a Murderer, right? Except for this guy. <laughs> you didn't even watch that. But you watched Tiger King, though. So, no. Oh, yeah. I've seen everything else <laughs> in the world. Like, everybody was obsessed with that and trying to watch, like, how this system, how, how, how manipulative everybody was to try to get these people convicted. And this, they didn't even have to try that hard. They just said this is the guy who's guilty had somebody say like yeah that's i remember seeing his truck and then boom this guy's on death row and it's it seems like it should require more than that um like when they're going to the courtroom to argue all the evidence for why he must be innocent it it was kind of like it it's just is it just going to be the one thing like it, it, it i don't know it's just such a ridiculous system or situation and system obviously um and I, and I really liked that this film just went through there. But I think the key of it is is the relationships of the people and watching how the other people who witness this attempt at getting justice changes how they see things. I, I don't know. I, I even even like the the evil uh, guard person, right? Like he 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 is somebody who works in a prison that is a death row prison, right? He, he's at a place where he knows people are going to be executed. But then when he actually sees somebody get executed, it makes it real in a way that he just somehow didn't conceive of when he was working there. It, like his whole persona changes just having witnessed an execution for the first time. Um, so there are like little moments in this where you see how other people respond to having to see the, the logical conclusion of the system that they're playing into. Um, that sort of makes them realize that the people they're killing are human in a way that they hadn't thought of to that moment. And I like those moments in this film that it didn't like try to oversell it. It just let you watch these people react and that's all it needed to say. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever listen to in the dark season two, uh, the story of Curtis flowers? I, I might've just listened to season one, but Mm, because season two, you would probably recognize it because it is, uncannily similar to Johnny D. McMillan's story, except it is 
currently happening. Yeah. Um, it's Mississippi instead of Alabama. Um, and there's a different DA, Doug Evans. But th- there was this man, Curtis Flowers, who was arrested for this killing. I think it was like a quadruple homicide. And the only evidence they had were basically multiple shaky eyewitness accounts that linked him to walking in the direction of the place that it happened. Like they had nothing. Yeah, yeah. And he was not only tried and he was always either had a hung jury or he was convicted and then it was overturned by the Supreme Court above him. And that happened like seven or eight times in a row. So he'd been in jail for like decades without having ever had a successful conviction. Um, And it, it, it just if I had not listened to that relatively recently, I would look at this story and think, wow, this must be one in a million. You know, it's crazy how little evidence they had. And that just seems like what happens. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of terrifying. And you, the podcast interviews, you know, uh, white people in the town and ask them their opinion. And they have the same circular logic of because the crime was heinous, I'm therefore going to assume that this man did it and act as if you are asking me, should I not have revenge on this person? And you you see that same twisted logic in the the DA and other people who are talking and grandstanding in this courtroom case where they're saying, I want people to feel safe. You know, I think we should be talking more about the brutal murder of this girl. And the fact that that doesn't prove anything, like almost doesn't matter. That's how heavy the appeal to emotion in this kind of us versus them way of thinking about the justice system works. And yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it is really, really, really crazy. Yeah. And, and I think one thing that this film doesn't dive too much into, but it seems maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into the periphery story, but it definitely feels like the initial cops that arrested him were targeting specifically because he had his own business and potentially yeah. this other extracurricular activity he was involved in. Um, right. And, and uh, that is also uh, like a terrifying thought. Like they're, they're not, you know, they're not blatantly just coming out and murdering this person, but they are putting him to death row with not even a thought at all uh, in, in to the result of what's going on. They're just trying to get him off the, yeah out of the town like it, it, it's it's kind of an insane thing that you can just be so mad at somebody that you're just gonna like make up a crime and totally be happy with the justice system letting off whoever actually killed this person because you don't like this one guy so you frame it on him um yeah, yeah. and i think it's this this trick of dehumanization where you find a like a passive voice or another way to say what is happening so it isn't I am killing uh, Johnny D. McMillan. It's he was tried and convicted, therefore he did it. And somehow that becomes the the self-fulfilling argument, even when what is being held in front of your face is here is evidence that the conviction was not good. You know, yeah, it, yeah. it becomes this way to not have to worry about it. And it kind of, so Joanne and I are watching The Wire now too. We started it because we finished The Sopranos a few days ago. Um, and The Wire is kind of all about bureaucratic systems everywhere. And in particular, the police as this kind of self-serving system where 
everyone just wants to get the best stats they can in a given year. They just want to clear it. They want to check that box and move on. If there's a public outcry, they want to quench the public outcry. And something about watching that and then pausing to watch this movie, it just really felt like this is what happens when you get a bunch of people who don't see the people they're prosecuting as humans, right? They just see yeah. it as a, a statistic or a part of the job they have to fill is they go to bed at night and they they might doubt whether or not the person is guilty, but not enough to toss and turn, not enough to change, just enough to be like, well, that was another day on the job. You know, maybe my partner shouldn't have made that argument. Maybe pressuring the witness wasn't a good idea, but, you know, it's done. Tomorrow's another day. And that, that ability to just walk away is kind of, uh, kind of terrifying. Also, um, Michael B. Jordan as like a 14 year old boy is in the wire and it was pretty crazy seeing <laughs> him at 14 and then seeing him in this movie right after that. It's a, it's a trip. <laughs> nice. Um, I did want to say, so I really love the music in this movie. That was one thing that I noticed a lot. There are some great moments where it just kind of pauses and shows you a wide shot of a, a little road with trees in the background and it tends to play this booming kind of gospel choir music while a little car drives by. And the soundtrack was made by Joel P. West, who's the same one who did Short Term 12, even though it sounds nothing like it. So I think whatever his idea is of like what makes good emotional soundtrack, <laughs> I'm, I'm just in Joel West's corner because for me, this was another home run. Yeah. Um, one thing that I want to say without dipping into spoilers is this there is a credits bump like is that what you'd call it where, where they reveal information at the very end in the in the credits um like the title card or whatever the yeah exactly yeah. In, in the title card they tell you where everyone wound up which very effective right if this is the kind of movie that they actually did the work of making almost everyone look like the real person, even though they are not famous people. Like they, they didn't have to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. But those, uh, those side-by-side images are pretty, pretty surprising. But there's one character in particular that when they let you know what happened to them, a part of me wondered why was he not the focus of this movie? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think it's smart that they chose to focus on the character they did instead, but it is interesting because it kind of has its most shocking reveal at the very, very end. Cool. Um, well, uh, what do you say, Stephen? We get to our verdicts for this film. Let's do it. All right. Stephen, if you're going to even say must see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? I think if this were not based on a true story, if it were not for that credit sequence that reminded me that all of these characters, to, as far as I can tell, all of them really did exist, um, I would probably be in recommend with a caveat territory because there are some things where it still seems to be pushing for the individual great people who combat a broken system. And there's a little bit of hero worship in there, which... I didn't always love. Um, there's a big speech that Tim Blake Nelson gets in a courtroom that felt like another movie could easily have been all of those things. And the fact that a few of them still exist feels a little bit jarring to me. But the reality of it and how kind of painstakingly they 
worked to depict it. And then just the kind of the jarring truth of the story elevated it for me. And in particular, when you're dealing with life and death situations, remembering that these were real people who really went through that really just added to the emotional core. So things which in a pure fiction maybe would have felt mildly emotionally manipulative worked for me because I felt like I can be manipulated in this case. Like it's fine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this was a, this was a must see for me. I don't know out of quarantine brain, maybe if I were a tiff in my more critical hat, I would have rounded it down to a recommend with a caveat. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's hard to watch this film without the context of the world we're currently in. Um, I mean, we're watching it specifically because of the world that we're in. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the way it handles the story in how cut and dry and obvious the overturning should be and still the constant roadblocks that the character is met with trying to solve this problem. I mean, when you watch, when, when you watch any uh courtroom or law or da program show movie there's always somebody who can make <clears throat> a statement or an argument and you just want to be like you know like yep that guy's gonna win right there like that guy nailed it and this 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 mm -hmm. film shows that there are some things that are stronger than arguments <laughs> that um where like everything can be cut and dry and be super obvious and you can expect uh, a particular outcome and that might not be the outcome you get because uh, things are just not stacked in your favor. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give this a must-see. Um, I thought it was an interesting telling of a simple story um, which is elevated by how preposterous it should be, but it's not. <laughs> cool. Um, well, I think that it's going to bring us to the end of this review of Just Mercy. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? If people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you, want, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning, facebook.com slash the spoiler warning, or instagram.com slash the spoiler warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the spoiler warning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Just Mercy, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And yeah, that is our review. Um, we have another review that will come later in the feeds of the film Shirley. Um, so hopefully you'll stick around and listen to that eventually. Um, but yeah, we are going to take off and uh, we'll see you in the next review. Bye. Bye.